Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, and welcome back to Headstrong. You are listening with me, Louis Strong, the host of this show. Now, Headstrong is a podcast where I sit down with a variety of individuals in the public eye to talk to them about their lives and their careers, but notably their vulnerabilities, because I want to learn what the word headstrong means to them. And to me, the word headstrong means to believe in yourself, to talk about your vulnerabilities and reinforce your self-worth. Now, this series is entirely devoted to crickets, with the build-up to the summer now and the cricket season well underway. Entirely focusing on cricket got me thinking. I wanted to partner and support a charity that was rooted in the sport. And this, of course, made me think of the Ruth Strauss Foundation, founded by the incredible Sir Andrew Strauss, who very sadly lost his wife to a rare form of lung cancer. For more information on this, just carry on listening to the podcast and I'll tell you a bit later on. This series is also sponsored by the wonderful McGill and Partners and Ascot Group. Thank you for your support. On today's episode of Headstrong is the incredibly talented Dom Bess. Now, I sat down with Dom while he was also isolating out in India after the Sri Lanka series where he saw some great success. We talked about his international career at the time and we also talked about him starting out in the cricketing world and how challenging the cricketing world can be and indeed his own battles with anxiety. I'd really like to extend my thanks to Dom for being so open, brave and courageous in telling me what he does divulge in this conversation. So without further ado, please do enjoy this conversation. Dom, thank you very much for joining me on Headstrong. This is a series devoted to cricket and I'm pleased to have you on board. Thanks for coming on. Now, thank you for having me, mate. Um, looking forward to it, for sure. So where am I finding you at this very second as we record this? Yeah, I'm currently stuck in a room in Chennai. 
Um, we'd just obviously come from Gaul in Sri Lanka and we'd flown over. Didn't realise how close it actually was, obviously Chennai's um, south. So it was only a two-hour flight into India. And yeah, we we went through the the back of the hotel, straight into our rooms and locked away for six days. So I'm currently four days in. What's that atmosphere like then before going into an like isolation? Because you've come from being out and about in Sri Lanka. You did your isolation period in Sri Lanka, but then you've got to go into another six days and it's six days of almost, you know, no contact. I mean, of course, we've got technology. And yeah, whatnot, but it's, it's a strange thing to be going into. What's the atmosphere like? It, it's quite weird because so we went so obviously went straight to Sri Lanka. We did a bit of quarantine there. I think we did three, four days there um, like this. And then, and then you're only, you're only allowed in the hotel or around the hotel. Um, and fortunately when we were in Sri Lanka, both hotels were all ours. So there was no real stress with that. And then obviously before you know it, we were straight into the games. It's, It's always come quite quick. So then we were straight into the games, played the games. And when you're in there, obviously it's five days on a bounce and, um, Obviously, playing it, you know, I, I certainly don't get much sleep during the nights, and so that comes along. And then, like I said, before you know it, you've done two tests, you're finished, and you're on another plane, knowing that you're going to do six more days. So for me, I'm, I'm almost there's a bit of me at the start, um, I'm quite happy about because I can get my sleep back in. Mm. Um, but then, sort of when you yeah, get into days three and four, um, I just think the most important thing about it is having a bit of structure, because as soon as you don't have structure, you get up real late you don't do anything like me i'll probably go straight on to call of duty and then you'll sit there for three hours do nothing do you know what i mean before you know it you're you're sort of through the day and you haven't done a lot so i think structure for me is really important but mate to be honest it is it is a strange atmosphere um because like you said you you talk you've got you've got social media everything like that so you you're in contact with everyone and actually with call of duty it's a bit of a social as well because mm. you chat with lads from here and then probably a little bit later on you'll go um lads probably back home will come on so actually i i quite enjoy it because i speak to a lot of my mates back home it's a bit of a social um Mm. and obviously everyone's back in lockdown anyway so yeah mate it is strange but um again at the moment it's it's the way of the world what is your so what is your structure then what time are you getting up probably getting up about half eight nine o'clock and i always order breakfast in from sort of nine 9.30 9.30 and then um, I will watch a little bit. I'm actually on a bit of Man in the High Castle at the moment, the oh, series yeah. Amazon Prime, which is top draw. Um, so I'll watch <laughs> that probably for a little bit and then I'll do, we'll have some sort of structure in terms of programs, um, like fitness programs. So we've got, we've actually yeah. got given a skipping rope. So that's probably the only thing we can do at the moment. Certainly for the first three days, we've actually just, the last three, well, the last three days of our six-day quarantine, we've got a room next door where lads have got forty-five minutes to an hour on either a treadmill or a watt bike. So we're in there forty-five minute slot. But before I was just doing a bit of skipping. I do probably about half an hour of skipping, um, some some mobility, and our S and C that puts on a um, puts on like a yoga session, mobility session as a Zoom group. Um, I haven't participated in any of that. I've sort of done myself. And then uh, before you know it, it's a bit of lunch. And then um, then it's sort of bedtime and you just repeat for six days. Love it. It's interesting about the... Um, so the coaches and, and your, the, the management team and stuff, are they giving you a kind of a set structure themselves as well? Because of course you guys are professional athletes um, and you've got to kind of... 
if if you'd flown to India or Sri Lanka and and you weren't in in quarantine or isolation, you would be out training and stuff. So is there kind of a um, yeah apart from the skipping rope, is there anything that they're saying right? You have to do this, or is it actually like well, there's not a lot we can do. Yeah, it's so we 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 I'll say that again. We've been really lucky. Before we went to Sri Lanka and India, um, some Red Bull lads had a really good sort of two months at Loughborough training. Mm. So through every week, so we actually got our loads up. Um, so take bowling. Obviously, coming coming back from if we start right back in October, um, end of the season, you'll probably have a month long break, um, and then sort of you look ahead to these tours and I know for myself, I'll probably have to bowl quite a lot. So I actually have to start getting my loads back in. So that's bowling a number of overs per week and gradually building it up to then when we got to about Christmas, I'd probably have bowled, I'd want to say about 50, 60 overs in a week. Mm. Um, so take three days, take it 60 overs, probably 20 overs a day I built up so I could do that. Then you have a little cutoff period to make sure the body's sort of fully charged again and then you were straight back into um straight back into sort of bowling in Sri Lanka and and I guess you do that work then so when you do obviously we know what the situation is like nowadays with COVID and everything that that's our banker almost if that makes sense so when we do get into these sort of six-day quarantines it's just making sure that we're actually really mobile um that's a really big thing we're actually sleeping really well as well to make sure that our recovery is good so when we do go back into it, it's going to be quite full on. So it's yeah. making sure we go back into that straight away. Um, and yeah, just really making sure that we're, again, we're, we're making sure that our bodies are fully ready for the next, say, four weeks. Because as soon as we come out of this quarantine, we so the game actually starts on Friday. Yeah. So you look in Saturday, we've had, so we've had six days off where I haven't bowled a ball. Um and we'll have probably two two training days, and then we're straight into a test match. Um, and again, you don't want to go too hard in the training days because it's such a long the five days it takes it out of you physically and mentally. So I think you've got you've got to really make sure that you find the right balance actually in your bedroom in your in your own space, um, making sure you probably get a little bit of work done so you keep ticking over, but not so much where you're you're completely done. Because then it's gonna it's gonna impact you more on days three, four, five of the test match. I'm curious. And that's I'm, something I've, that's yeah. something that I've had to learn like straight away. Because I'm no. very I'm someone as well who wants to get their prep done. I'm someone who would will, will bowl a lot, and it's more to get my rhythm and everything like that going. Um, get that sort of feel. I'm a I'm a feel man, so it's been a really tough one for me at times. Like I've got I've got about four or five balls next to my bed and I just sort of um get the feel in my hand again to make sure because I get quite anxious that I'm I'm not gonna sort of know how to hold it which is it's all mentally then it's all mentality yeah totally I mean you said it there as well like you've got you've got your balls a couple of balls in the in the room just to keep keep hold of it and I'm sure some of the some of the boys up the order have got their bats in the room I'm curious to ask you um who who do you think in the England dressing room then is in their room kind of practicing their action or practicing their uh their shape who who go go, I'll go through the batters straight away (laughs) I know Burns will have one I know Sibley will have one I know Crawley will definitely have probably about two. Um, <laughs> mate, Rooty will have one. I, honestly, all the batters as well, they're quite superstitious. I get oh, that really? feel. Um, 
Yeah, so I reckon, mate, it would probably be the other hand. Who doesn't? Who probably doesn't have? Got then. Who doesn't have a bat? Not a lot, I don't reckon. <laughs> I, I know for a, I know for a fact. Obviously, I've seen Stokes' Instagrams. He's he's got one. Probably Butler. I don't reckon Butler would probably have a bat in his room. Um, I can almost see Joss kind of sitting there, kind of doing some sort of, I don't know, Zen masterclass for two hours or something, just really focusing. <laughs> well, I was going to say he's he's really big into his plates. I know that. Um, yeah. His wife, his wife obviously has a company, so I know at times his Instagram pops up with him doing um, like live sessions with that. So I know he's really into that. Uh, and other than that, he's he's massively into his uh, Call of Duty as well. So if he's not doing that, he's actually on cards. <laughs> Great. I mean, let's go back to that bubble then, because you we, we're talking about the, the the bubble out there in the subcontinent. But of course, you spent a lot of time this summer and in 2020 over here in the UK. What, what was it? What's it like comparing the two experiences? Because they are, of course, very, very different. Um, what, what are the kind of yeah. the main differences that you've you've noticed and experienced? From from the actual the different bubbles in terms of well not necessarily the people the, well, but just the experiences because I I mean of course it's completely yeah. a different environment out there in in Sri Lanka and India yeah in the UK I anticipate no, I, you know, I, it's the home comforts of the ECB and knowing that they've got your yeah. best interests that's definitely it and I think and actually do you know what I was really was really really um, sort of encouraged with how well um, Sri Lanka and India have done it here. Because um, again, that was almost, I was thinking it was quite cautious. You never know when you're going to, I think, certainly when I went into the English um, bubble, we had a lot of information thrown at us and given to us and a lot of, I guess, comfort knowing that actually, if 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 you were really struggling, you can go home and they will let you out to go home, um, break that bubble to go home. And obviously, it would only be a couple of hours away. Whereas, I guess the the main difference is obviously you're away. I'm, God, what thirteen hours away from home on a flight, and it's a, probably a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Just saying, oh, I'm done getting on a flight and going home. So, I think that's where then it's. I think this is where ECB have stepped up so well. They've <clears throat> they've really made sure that, um, really made sure that every player knows that the number one, I guess. Um, most important message, the number one message to us is our mental health and our well-being right. here. Um, and, I, and I think that's really important because actually it also puts um, some players' minds to rest as well at times. And certainly if you're not playing, I think if you're playing, it's a little bit easier because you've got, you've got a distraction. You know you're playing. Um, whereas some of the lads who probably aren't playing and are reserves, um, you can't really, again, we talk about structures, you can't really see the end, if that makes sense. Like you're not playing, You'll just be, you'll be training, you'll be bowling, you'll be doing 12th man. And it, and it does get very rep- repetitive. Um, I think the really big and important thing as well is, um, and something that I've made sure I keep reminding myself is, it's obviously tough, but I think there's a lot tougher situations out there at the moment in the world. Um, and I think actually us getting out here and, and again, making sure that we're playing good, good competitive cricket um on tv i think it's really important and i think it's really important for people back home we're actually um i'm fortunate i know after six days i've got the sun here i know i've got the heat and we know how how important that is to your mental health we know how actually moods change when you're probably sat at home when it's cold wet you're not allowed out it's 
you know what I mean? It's winter time in England. I think it's really important to make sure that we get out there and actually we perform and we entertain people at home um, to make sure, again, they've got something to look forward to. I think that is that is really key. And I, I think that's something that um, has certainly been stressed as well over here that um, we're here to also entertain people, make sure that um, people at home are, are enjoying themselves watching the cricket if that's something that we can do. Yeah, it's great that there's an awareness of the, of the bigger picture, I suppose. And actually, yeah, I mean, ultimately as well, you are there and it's, it is just a game of cricket. I mean, of course, it exactly. is your livelihood and, and the team's livelihood and everything. But yeah, yeah, there's bigger, there are bigger, more important issues. But what you are doing is delivering, you know, such positivity to people back here, you know, watching it and actually getting fully invested. Because I know when the first lockdown happened and there was no live sport at all, and I bet you were the same <laughs> God, yeah. it was a disaster. I mean, things you miss. How long brave. were the days, mate? Oh, oh God. Yeah. Like, it was just strange, wasn't it? Not having any sport on TV. Like, growing up, sports being my life. And and to have that period where nothing was on and you were watching. I, I, watched, I remember watching the Rugby World Cup 2003 about four times. I was like, <laughs> because it was on. And I was like, just, you know what I mean? Just seeing Wilco bang a drop goal over I was like it doesn't get better than that and I guess that's why it's so important and I did actually see something on Twitter um not Twitter sorry Instagram today I'm actually off Twitter at the moment um well being off and on not really on it when I'm playing cricket but I saw something about Channel 4 potentially coming and getting involved in the England India series obviously being free to air which I think would be so important because mm. if it, even if it's people not don't really watch cricket or anything like at least something's on and actually yeah. they might get into it and I think it's so important I really do hope something like Channel 4 take hold of it because you look at the Ashes 2005 when it was free to air and actually how many people watched it and got involved it's a real opportunity to just get invested in something from back here anyway because there's not a great not a great deal going on no, I bet. Yeah, <laughs> but it's um, but as you said, it's all great. I want to talk to you about the management uh, and the players in in, in sep- like because people see management and players very separate when you put when you say it like that. What is the kind of structure when you're out on tour and also in the bubbles? Do you guys mingle together, or is it very much an us and them environment? No, not at all. And I think I think that shows how good. Um, this group of players management, this group, the whole ECB, I think it's so important that it doesn't matter who you are, coach, player, um, backroom staff, it doesn't matter who you are, everyone mingles with everyone. Um, we've got some some great backroom staff, great management that I think everyone's comfortable with everyone. I think naturally, probably the players will, at times will go for dinner and stuff, but you'll see other people and it's not like, Oh, the management will sit over there and the team will sit over there. It's everyone sort of gets involved with everyone. And I think that's really important. And I actually think that's why we've been so successful recently. It's it's no, obviously you've got the hierarchy in terms of the head coach and things like that, but it's almost like that's on paper. And actually mm. away from that, it's very, do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. very, I can go to Chris, Chris Silverwood, Spoons and speak to him. Um, I just think actually our well-being... Uh, so our team master's well-being, um, head of well-being, Mark Saxby, who's been part of the backroom stuff for God's, God knows how long, 25 years. He, he was there, I think it was 2003, I want to say. It was age, mate, he's, he's ancient, ancient <laughs> is. And he is honestly one of the greatest men. I, he's just come out to India. Um, he didn't do Sri Lanka, he's come out to India. And 
Honestly, I bet half the lads can't wait to see him because he's so good for us. And again, he's backroom stuff and a lot of the lads will play chess with him. A lot of lads will, do you know what I mean? When it wasn't COVID last year, we went to have coffee and lunch with him, things like that. It was, it's so open. And I think that's where, um, like I said, it's, it's so important that you break down those relationships. Yeah, it sounds like a stereotype, sorry, for those relationships. I mean, it sounds like a great atmosphere and it's kind of proof is in the pudding, you know, coming, coming off, um, off the tour in, in Sri Lanka, you know, two nil win, what an absolute result. And we're heading into a four test series in India. I say we, obviously I'm not involved at all. Um, As much as I'd like to be. Yeah. All the fans. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But let's, I'm interested to hear your opinion on the subcontinent um, because of course, you know, being a um, specialist spinner coming into the, uh, into the subcontinent that you are very much going to be out there and going to be consistently playing or relied upon. Does that, do you feel pressure on your shoulders when you uh, are embarking on a tour like this, even though you have been prepping and putting in the hours, as you say, putting in 50, 60 over weeks? But do you feel that pressure coming in or not? Yeah. Mate, I, I see it. And this is, this is where my mindset I really work on my mindset and I've done it for a long time before. I don't see it as pressure. I think pressure, again, I know it's quite cliche, but pressure is obviously put on yourself. And yeah. and I know, I know I'm going to play a, probably a bigger role than other people because of the conditions, but I see it as such good opportunity. So it's actually my time to show what I can do with the ball, show what I can do with the bat against spin. Um, and I see it as, I've got to I've got to flip it in that aspect and see it see it as a massive positive because I think I think there's a lot of other people external people people in social media that will put that pressure on you anyway mm-hmm. they're going to expect things from you and actually I'm going to expect my own standards um, and having that extra baggage and you know time after time after time when people keep saying it it doesn't matter how strong you are and and how resilient you are that baggage will slowly appear on you. And, and, and those, depending on if you see, like I said, if you see pressure as a positive or negative, it can go either two ways. So I see it as like a great opportunity. Um, and obviously playing at Somerset beforehand with Leachy, mm. um, the other spinner who, who actually where we started, we played on spinning wickets and there was always um, perceived pressure, a lot of opportunities to actually go out there and win games for Somerset. And we did that really well at the start of our career, or well, certainly my my start of my career. So when we came to England, the first thing I said to him and first thing we actually said to each other was like, mate, this is literally going to be like Taunton. Like, it's going to be like bowling, like we did, but it's going to be for our country. How like how cool is that going to be? And what what, what an opportunity to potentially lead the bowling attack um, with, say, the likes of Stuart Broad, James Anderson, Jimmy, you know what I mean, yeah. these guys. Mate, it's it, and I do again. I still have to pinch myself that I'm playing with people like Jimmy and Brody, like because I grew up watching these guys. Definitely, I mean, it's very, very, very interesting uh, to hear it talk to, talk about it like that and with your mentality. But of course, congratulations as well on, on taking the five for out in Sri Lanka. That's another one Thank under the mate. bag, and many more to come because you're only 23. Absolute result. But I did want to talk to you about some of the pundits. Um, of course, it is their job to be, um, you know, critique you and, and the team because they want to encourage both sides of the argument and the conversation yeah. for the viewer. That is their job. But 
again, it boils down to your mentality. How do you cope with that criticism uh, coming from the people who were formerly in your position, I suppose? You know, they used to play for England, a lot of, the, a lot yeah. of these boys. Uh, and they, I'm sure that they tackled criticism as well. So h- how do you tackle it yourself? Yeah, it's, do you know what? It does make me laugh because it's like a revolving door. They would have been around it. And actually, I think now with social media these days, and, and this is, there's some great things, some amazing things about social media. There's also some terrible things about social media that everyone, everyone from Sachin Tendulkar, Nasser saying, I'm trying to think, Rob Key, all, all the guys, Graham Swan, someone that I've looked up a lot, but all these guys who've got social media can get obviously get in contact with you. But then you could also have all the other people, people that play fourth team cricket, um, bat at nine, don't bowl. Do you know what I mean? These guys, they, they can also chip in with you and tweet you and message you and, and I think for me personally, when it goes, when it goes really well, obviously everyone's on your side. Mm. Um, when it doesn't go so well, people are so quick to fire away at people with, with having no accountability. So I've seen, obviously there's been a lot of things about Twitter actually having um, responsibility in terms of actually having an address and having someone's, do you know what I mean? Actually having accountability to a profile instead of people just firing away, saying what they want. Obviously, you've seen a lot of racist things at the moment in terms mm. of the football, which is horrific. But um, for me, sorry, going back to the question, I don't, I don't, when I'm playing cricket, I don't look at Twitter. Great. Because actually at the end of the day, the big thing for me was um, nothing, nothing matters outside of our circle of the team, the squad, nothing matters. Like I, I honestly could not care less about what someone says about my bowling. So take the Pfeiffer. Obviously, it wasn't the best Pfeiffer. I know that. Um, again, people, it's, it makes me laugh because people think that they expect us to be right on the money. Um, and, and at times, we obviously expect that to be right on the money. But you've got to be realistic at times. We were straight out of quarantine with not a lot of prep. And you're straight into a game and it's completely different. Mm. And again, for me as a spinner... Be fairly young, um, not giving any. I'm not taking sort of. I'm taking full responsibility of it. Um, but again, I've got to be realistic. Okay, it wasn't my best, but at the end of the day, the outcome was I took five for thirty, and I got ourselves off the field, and that's that's part of the game. People, people, uh, batters have drop catches, and they go on and get hundreds, and again, that's part of the game. And I, I think it's really important to realise that. But also not listen to people. People just bag you constantly, and and again, Twitter is basically giving your number out to someone that doesn't know you, and they can get in contact with you. Um, so for me, I actually deal with it. Um, I deal with it in that I don't I don't have Twitter on. I have my Instagram on because actually I like to see I like to see photos. I like mm. to see what my mates are up to. I know a lot of my mates use Instagram, so I like to see that side of it. Um, and again, with Instagram, I've done it so I don't actually see any comments. Um, not that, not that I, again, not that I wouldn't go looking for it because I think if you go looking for it, you fall into a very vicious and dangerous cycle. Um, I'm a big overthinker anyway when I play cricket. So again, that that wouldn't help me, and I know that. So actually, I know it's just dangerous for me. Um, and again, it's about, again, sticking to my mentality of actually it, all that matters is within, the, within my own um, bubble. And that is the England cricket bubble. And if that's 
myself doing the job for England when I'm bowling or batting, then that's all that should matter. It doesn't. It, there should be nothing else that matters. Yeah, it sounds like you've definitely got your own technique sorted, especially when you're on tour or in a in a series. As in, you know, because as as you say as well, Twitter and Instagram are two very different social media platforms. Twitter just heavily, yeah. you know, um, you know, heavy in in what you can say to people. But yeah, it's imagery is on Instagram, and actually, you know, I always like seeing at the end of a test match and after the win, literally everyone in the dressing room is posting the best bits of the match, and it's like that's what you want to see. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. really it's positive. Actually, it's really a positive you, message. You see some stuff in, you see some stuff inside the change rooms as well, which you probably wouldn't see, obviously, watching it as well. So I think, again, I think, and and that's the that's the world we've grown up in now. I guess we've obviously we're both probably grown up with social media within our lives, um, and that's something that our, obviously we will have to, <clears throat> certainly myself, I have to deal with it because other like otherwise it's 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 not like it was i tell you what zach crawley doesn't have twitter instagram he doesn't is have he a clue what's going on and no honestly he and this is what i love about creeps um that's his nickname but i think mate he's so like he's so not bothered and he's he's actually so different in terms of not having it like people are like people have asked him oh like where's your instagram where's your twitter being like that's normal and creeps is like don't like I'm not bothered. Like he has Facebook, obviously with all his friends and stuff on it. Um, but other than that, mate, he doesn't see anything, and he goes into such a. I really admire of the way he goes about it because say he he obviously um, he done quite well, and then he went and got his double hundred at Old Trafford, and and obviously I went on Instagram and it was full of it. Like Twitter was full of it. He was everywhere, mate. And the amazing thing for me was creeps didn't have a clue what was going on. He didn't know like everyone was tweeting about him. He's, and, and actually as well, I think that also keeps you down to earth so much mm. because you can, you can see it. You can see all these followers you're getting. And, and I think people certainly at times, like they almost feel like they're better than other people because they've got 500,000 followers. Like, do you know what I mean? And, and it's a different world. With, it makes me laugh because honestly, Zach is... Zach's such a layback bloke, and and he's and that's the amazing thing. He's not bothered about it, and and I, and I really do applaud him. I think I think what what do we do to ourselves? Certainly, sportsmen, people. What do we do ourselves? We're literally giving people our phone numbers to other people just just so they can hammer us, basically. Yeah, it's, it's, that sounds amazing, actually. To be fair, from him, and that's impressive that he doesn't feel even any temptation actually about that. It's uh, no. it's very very strong willed. But it's quite. But I suppose if you don't a, know any different, different. Yeah, but it's quite a different idea, isn't it? Because we've always grown up having Instagram or Twitter. Mm. So like, he's almost that real niche that he's never had it. And and like, think about growing up, going to school and stuff like that. You would have always had Instagram, always had, I always had Instagram, always had Twitter with my mates and stuff. Um, but he's had, he's never had any interest of it. And again, like I say, it's, he's almost the odd one out, but I really applaud it. It's interesting because like when you come in from um, off, off the pitch and stuff, I know you you're probably don't have your phones in the dressing room or whatever, but then as soon as you get back somewhere, everyone's like, oh, let's see what's going on. Check the phone and whatever. Yeah. I imagine that he doesn't have that, you know, that's just one less stress almost. It's <laughs> quite nice. Mate, he'll be, mate, he'll probably be reading the news. I love it. He'll probably be replying to people that have messaged him. But other than that, mate, he, yeah. I, oh, I know for a fact he'll be reading probably BBC News. 
because that's what <laughs> he does, and and that's his. That's it. More he'll be playing chess or something like that. He's brilliant. He's actually, yeah. I yeah. I I just think it's amazing. So and it was for me, obviously meeting him now, being very good mates with him. It's mm. such a great outlook of someone else. And I actually, I like I said, I'm off Twitter now, or certainly when I'm with cricket, I'm off Twitter because I don't need to see anything. And I only use Twitter up after that is actually to watch or to follow a lot of the rugby because obviously I'm a big rugby fan. So I use that more as the Twitter. Side yeah, you, I mean, you said it yourself there, that Zach's now a great mate of yours. How important is it as well, just that, you know, you're of course your teammates, you're going to grow together and bond together. But how important is it to have your mates in the team? Yeah, massive. And, and I think you go through a lot, certainly in international cricket where and international sport where it's such, it's so cutthroat at times um actually having lads and and having a group like we do at the moment is amazing like you think we've got probably five or six youngsters in the side or around the squad myself Popey, sammy curran sibbers crawley um obviously joss joss superstar now he's only 25 like mm. we're, we're still fairly young guys um and and then obviously within the reserves you've got a lot my age uh, mason crane Mar Verdi, Matt Parkinson. Um, there's a lot of us who are young, and and I think making sure that we're sort of we're going through that journey together. If you're going really well, or going not not having the greatest game, making sure that we're there together. And do you know what I mean? Just having almost when it's going worse, having a stronger connection. And and we've certainly all of us have been through that um, together even if it's been a game or so. I, I think it's so important and, and more for the team then. Like you get around the side more and then you've got the likes of Joe Root, uh, Joss, Jimmy, Brody, Stokesy, all like Chris Wokes, all these guys as well who are so experienced that have also done it. Like they're also, do you know what I mean? They also grew up with each other. So we actually see that. We're like, oh, well, four or five that's, years. That'll be us that's, in five years. That's those guys. Do you know what I mean? Well, hopefully if we keep going and, and saying that, there's, it's not two separate seasons. Then everyone sort of mixes for everyone. Like, I know there'll be times that you'll have, like, Rooty will come over and obviously speak to me. And do you know what I mean? We've got a great relationship with him, Butler, Rory Burns. I can't, I can't express everyone how, um, I guess, open everyone is to everyone. Like myself going to Jimmy or Brody for a bit of advice, which I have done, um, and actually feel open to go to someone that I've, like someone that we've watched growing up and idolizing, I guess, seeing seeing them do so well is is a really special thing that they have been able to do is actually open up and let us in. Definitely, I mean, I like I like that you you talk to Rooty there, and it's great to have the support of the cat of the skipper, you know, because he probably that, the man's got a lot yeah. on his plate. Let's be honest. Um, but <laughs> do you ever uh, does he ever say oh, move over, Dom? I'm going to come on for a few overs. <laughs> yeah a couple of times I think at the end of that task test he was, he was saying to Lich and I come on oh, any danger lads and then obviously he came on and within within an over mate he got both poles he was like how hard's that I was like that's fair Classic. Uh, he's, mate, he's great as well like he's again and it makes me laugh because we've I've grown up watching these guys and actually being within a side and being a teammate now of them it's, it's really amazing and and again it's credit to the ECB it's credit to the guys within the squad, how open they can be to allow us to come in and actually feel comfortable to perform. 
This series is brought to you by two magnificent sponsors, Ascot Group and McGill and Partners. Ascot Group is a global speciality insurance and reinsurance group with a record of underwriting excellence and superior claims service. Founded in 2001, the company provides a broad range of property and casualty solutions to customers worldwide through its platforms in London, Bermuda and the United States. Ascot is a long-standing supporter of charities with a link to sport, including ongoing sponsorship of the Great Britain Wheelchair Rugby Club. With a recent increase in mental health awareness, the company is particularly proud to support Headstrong Season 5 and Innings With, which focuses on the psychological well-being challenges that arise from professional sports. McGill & Partners is a boutique insurance broker helping corporate clients find specialist solutions for their most challenging and complex risks. Growing rapidly since its launch in 2019, the company operates in the UK, Europe and the United States and prides itself on working with some of the biggest companies in the world. And you can find out more on their website, mcgillpartners.com. McGill and Partners understands high performance and the mental health challenges that can be associated with it regardless of the industry people are working in. The company is fully committed to their employees' well-being and are delighted to be sponsoring the Headstrong podcast series. It is also delighted to support the Ruth Strauss Foundation. Thank you to these two wonderful sponsors. Right, we're going into the, the Indus series now. You're in your quarantine, you've got a few days left. By the time this episode comes out, it will have finished. The test series will have finished. We'll be going into the ODIs, I reckon. Any predictions, yeah. personal or team? Well, I'll go team first because I think, again, buying, in, buying into a team. Mate, if we win out here, I think it will be an unbelievable achievement. I saw a stat the other day that there'd been one win in God knows how long. Now, I think that was 2012 when England actually won over it one over here um mate if we if we win this series i think it will um firstly define the group um and actually how special this group is that we can go away against india who at the moment are an absolute powerhouse like just going away to australia as well was hard enough to beat them in their own conditions i think makes you realize how big how important and how big this series is um, I think you're coming up against the number one in the world. Um, we always talk about going to Australia and beating, obviously, the Aussies in, Ash- in the Ashes, which is the biggest thing, I think, for an Englishman. Um, but also for being an English spinner, to go away to somewhere like India, where it spins, and obviously having that expectation um, and knowing that it's going to be tough. These guys are the best in the world against spin. I think it, it would... Sh- that and the Ashes, I think, would be the biggest achievement an English test cricketer could do, could make. And, and the fact that I've got an opportunity to potentially influence it in hopefully quite a big way um, is, again, you see it two ways. I think it's one hell of an opportunity. And some something that hopefully in when this comes out in, in the future, the way I want to go, the way I want it to go, um, I look back with immense pride um and all that work and dedication to get to this point right now i think 
it would be a great achievement. And I'm hoping, obviously, I don't care how it comes, mate. If it's 1-0, if it's 2-0, if it's 3-2, whatever it is. If it takes four, if it takes three draws, mate, mate, if it's 4-0, I honestly... I've Say it I'm now, come on, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Months, if it's 4-0, what are you doing? Oh, God, mate. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know because I think that's, it's such a big, it's such a big thing to do um of course like i said i do not if it's four nil mate that is icing on the cake if it's one nil and it it, it's been three draws and then we've pipped it at the end i think it's one hell of achievement and again for me for me individually um it's whatever it and i know this is quite cliche and whatever it's quite broad but whatever it takes for me to contribute to that if that is me actually not playing or me getting dropped say and just doing 12th man or running the drinks, as long as I do that to allow someone else to, as a team, make us succeed, I think so important. And I think you know you're in a great side when people are doing that for the team. Um, it can be very easy to say it, but I think the way that people have been within this squad that haven't played have gone and done their business sort of behind the cameras, away from everything, I think that shows a great side. So for me individually, whatever it takes really, mate, if it, if it is I'm out in the field and I'm taking five wickets, amazing. If it's me tying up one end so Leachie can take all the wickets, if it's me not even playing and running drinks out to Jimmy, Broadie, Joff, all the guys, I don't care. As long as we come home as a successful squad, I think it's a real opportunity and, and it would be an absolute immense success if, 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 you guys can put it off, so fingers crossed. But I just want to take this opportunity now to to rewind a little, um, and we, and we kind of go back to um, pre England days, looking at some of your Somerset time and, and maybe some time at school. Because I mean, even from what yeah. we've been talking about here, you're very much in touch with your mentality and indeed your mental health, and and I'm delighted to kind of hear that. But back in back in 2019, when you were at Somerset, I mean. Uh, you won't mind me saying as well, you weren't necessarily in the best place yourself. But it, it often starts a little bit before before your playing days, didn't it? And actually, when you were growing up, can yeah. you just like, describe a little bit um, when, when you started to acknowledge what, what you were experiencing? Yeah, so you, you talk about 2019, so I was playing for Somerset and I had a real, I just had a, do you know, I had a breakdown in terms of playing for a game and I will come back to it. Um, but that was, I guess that was just, um, that was something that built up for that season long. But going back to actually when it first initially happened, it, and I remember it clear as day, I was at school. Um, obviously, you know how important exams are when you're 17, 18, obviously no sixth, upper six with AS and A-levels. Um, and I struggled, I guess I struggled AS um, and I had to retake pretty much all of them I think um, for A level so I was basically doing two years in one as long as I was obviously trying to make it pro at Somerset um, and, and also just trying to enjoy life in terms of just, just about to turn 18, 17, 18 do you know what I mean you're going out, going to parties start going clubbing as well um, I think it was there was so much on the plate and, and I got to the point where um, I really started um, struggling and there was one point and it and I'm it was in geography mate I was I was up a up a sixth um, pretty early on in the year so it would probably be in January where 
you sort of know you've had your mocks, you know you're coming to crunch time in a couple of months with A levels. I know I've got everything and and I'm dyslexic and um they're sort of the tutors, my tutor and sort of teachers around well, my tutor made sure that I didn't read in front of anyone. It was one of my biggest fears and still probably is one of my biggest fears. If it's not my subject, I really struggle. Um and anyway, it was like it was a Tuesday morning, second period, and we started reading. Um, our geography teacher obviously had forgotten, missed it, whatever. It's like lads or guys, we're gonna start reading. I want Bessie, I want us to start off. And like obviously, as soon as he said, right, I want someone to start reading, I'm like head down, trying to avoid the situation, sweating, mate, sweating. And I'm getting really anxious and really my anxiety was sort of through the roof. Anyway, I started reading um, and started sort of stuttering, missing words, like honestly made no sense whatsoever. And I could sort of hear people laughing as you do. And like, obviously mates sort of like stuttering and things like that. And, and I, and I got worse and worse. And I said to, I said, I sort of looked at um, my teacher and like looking at him, like almost trying to make sure like he knows what's going on. He's like, I shouldn't be doing like, I should not be thrown in this, this deep end sort of like trying to catch eye contact. And he was like, I want you to keep going, like almost keep going through it. And I was like, I can't mate. And I just, I honestly broke down there. And I, I was, I want to say um, one of my friends sort of like took over, just sort of got the hint, took over, started reading. Anyway, I, I sort of like broke down, started crying in front of what, 13, 14. And you're supposed to be, I guess, sort of the cool kid like playing sport all of this do you know what I mean I broke down and and after that I went back to my tutor had a I was obviously in tears and and mate I I had a real fear of going back into the classroom and like my anxiety every time I went to school my anxiety went through the roof and and with through this anxiety I I'd get really low um and I guess for the next week I didn't go into school um, I was really struggling. I'd go to the sport and not go into the school. And my tutor was amazing with me. And obviously I had all this pressure and I was, my head was, my head was scrambled. And you talk about structure. I had no structure. My head was scrambled, everything. And um, I ended up getting, falling further and further down this hole. Cause I didn't really talk to anyone as well. So I had this problem and, and everyone sort of saw it, but I never, I was just like, yeah, yeah it's fine. I'm fine. And people obviously my classes realized that I wasn't coming in. Um, barely ever and I was actually I I lived with my best mate um Jack Maunder who actually plays for Exeter Chiefs I lived with him for five six years him and Isaac Heidemann um my other best mate and they're two really intelligent lads and I actually stayed at home with um Jack's mum and worked all day and I just worked by myself because I had the fit I couldn't go into school and then as I sort of got into it, I got a little bit more confident, went back in, but I'd have good days, bad days. And this is where it comes, stems from in terms of the depression, like my depression and the side of it. I got so low and so worried and anxious about things that I was, I'm so stupid. I'm so dumb. Like, why can't I do this? Do you know what I mean? Going into the negative mindset. This is why I'm so, this is why I'm so strong on it now. I make sure that I remind myself every day that, I was so like dark and and I got mate, I got to a point and I hope I'd never go down to the point 
it was probably it was March time now, so real crunch time in terms of exams and things like that. And I remember being at home and at my um, best mate's house, and I remember getting a knife and sort of, do you know what I mean? I remember getting a knife, obviously having really really bad thoughts. And again, I from that when I when I had that moment, I was I was the lowest you can love. I've, I've sort of gone through it. It's been three months where I hadn't spoken about it to anyone, and I was so low and. And I remember like having the knife or cells by myself and sort of putting it to my arm and thinking, like, is is this how you sort of get out of that? Um, get out of that. Is this how you release it? Almost like, is this how you release sort of the the pressure, the the depression, the the bad days that continuously roll? You can have a bad day once and twice, but I found that, and the best way I describe it, I'd have these days all the time, and and I'd go down the spiral stairs. I'd end up that I couldn't go back up the spiral stairs. I'd be so dark. I, could own, I couldn't see anything. Like I said, I, I got this knife and thank God I didn't do anything because I freaked myself out. I, and I, I remember dropping the knife and just being in shock. Like, how have I got to myself to this? And I remember s- sat on next to the island, cr- like bawling my eyes out. And um, their, their, their dog called Janie, obviously dogs are the best things, best things since sliced bread. And, he came over, she came over, licked me, everything. I, I just sat, remember sat there crying and thinking, I need help. Um, and I remember opening up and to my tutor and then open up to, the hardest part was opening up to mum and dad and things like that. And I think obviously word of mouth got around to more, more my support network um, that actually I was really struggling, really, really struggling. And, and you know what? As soon as I opened up and obviously there's no, it obviously happened that I, I had this weight, I had this bag off my shoulder. I actually started climbing up the spiral, spiral stairs and actually seen a bit of light. And, and I know it's, it, you, you, you might ask like, Oh my God, it's only come from like speaking, but that was my trigger. That was my trigger. That I was so afraid of something and I felt so um, stupid. So like, do you know what I mean? So bad about myself that, and I didn't say anything because as a young lad at 17, 18, you think you're strong. You think you've, you've got it all. Do you know what I mean? You're so naive and, and you're scared to tell your mates because they'll laugh. Um, cause I guess they don't understand. And, and that's where I was, mate. And, and I guess as soon as the exams went, as soon as the summer went, I just felt so much relief off my shoulders. And do you know what I mean? And then, and then I've, I've, do you know what I mean? I forgot about that in terms of, I was 18. I was going out, enjoying everything with my mates, playing sport. Um, and then, like I said, fast forward it, um, I, that summer, 2019, I obviously wasn't really playing. I'd just been dropped from England. Again, I started having these bad days that continuously rolled and, and I, and I got into a point where I, I didn't start, I didn't, I didn't start speaking to people. I didn't start offloading things that you need to and making sure that you're okay every step. And, and I was away from home for a long time. I was obviously away in the winters playing for England. And then I would go on loan to Yorkshire, back and forth, back and forth, not at home, not really seeing any of my mates away from home, away from cricket, sorry. And I remember getting to this game. It was against Yorkshire at Somerset. It was end of September. Um, <clears throat> I remember probably having about two months where I was just really down and didn't say anything to anyone. Again, that build up, falling down this falling down the spiral and and it wasn't my anxiety because 
I felt like I could deal with that. It was more the depression. It was just the bad days, the waking up and like, oh, really, like, what am I going to do today? And and I remember, luckily, our psychologist was there, um, Chris Bodman at the time, and I took him in. We were batting first. We won the toss and batted. And I took us into the so change rooms. In behind, there's sort of where the second team coaches and academy directors, um, uh, God, desks are and their office. Um, and I remember speaking to him. He's like, oh, you don't see him yourself. Um, and mate, I just burst into tears. I burst into tears for about 30, 40 minutes. Just, I like, I completely lost myself. And I was telling how I feel and how I was getting these feelings back. Um, and I was really struggling. And we, I had a heart to heart for about half an hour, 45 minutes. And I completely forgot the cricket was going on, mate. And we were, I think we were four down. And I was bawling my eyes out. And I, I remember one of the lads um, texting me saying, mate, where are you? And I was like, oh, my God, like, fucking. Do you know what I mean? I just like completely, my mind, had I'd forgotten about any sort of sport. It was all about my well-being, my mental health. And I sat there and I was like, I've got to go pad up. And I remember sat there in the change room. I've just had, I've just been crying my eyes out. Obviously, really red, puffy eyes. And I was sort of like trying to strap my pads on, like trying to, get into the game anyway went in probably faced about 40 balls um i remember chipping one to extra cover walking off and i was walking off into the change room and i was unstrapping my pads and all this emotion that i guess a little bit of relief that i'm really struggling i started crying and george bartlett and tom banton were in the change rooms they were opposite me and i was like sort of head down bawling my eyes out and and they were like, oh my, like, surely you're not crying because you just got out. I was like, mate, like, honestly, could not care about getting out. I was like, I, and I said to them, I said, mate, I'm, I'm really struggling, like really, really struggling. Um, like I've, I just, yeah, I, I, I didn't know how to explain it to them. So like, I'm struggling anyway. From that moment, I went straight up to the head coaches, um, Jason Kerr, and I've got a great relationship with him. And I said, mate, I'm really struggling. Um, I've been really struggling for two, three months. And they, sorry, to go back, they knew that they knew what my um, my struggles were because obviously I was in the academy and I had a lot of pressure. And when I had that incident, I actually opened up to those guys and said uh, my problems. And the, the support that I got from those guys was phenomenal. Fast forward to there, I said, Jake, I'm really, really struggling. He said, mate, forget about the cricket. He said, I don't care about what you do. You can You can honestly go away now we can just say um, you're struggling. I, I don't want you in around it. And for me as well, I think the cricket actually kept me away. Do you know what I mean? Kept me focused with something. Um, but it, it got to the point where it was coming into my cricket and I knew then it was different. Anyway, the next morning um, I went to see James Kennedy, our doctor, just to have a catch up with him. So I missed the warm up, um, And in the warm up. Jason said to the whole group, um, Lance Bessie's really struggling at the moment. Um, he's obviously, you, you'll know that he's not here at the moment. He's going to come in a bit later. He's just speaking to Kenners and sort of explain the situation and obviously explain it to Bart and Bant, who had obviously seen me bawling my eyes out. And mate, I was so anxious, again, so anxious to go back into that change room because mm. I had just, <clears throat> I, I I didn't tell them and and it was coming from somewhere else, but, I remember walking to the change room and everyone, 
everyone got their arm around me, like gave me hugs. Like talk about this, um, talk about being manly and not need, do you know what I mean? No emotion, all this. Oh my God, the amount of bullshit that is, mate. People, everyone, like James Hildreth, um, came up to me and gave me a hug and I thought that was such a big thing for me I, I was like Hildy's absolute club legend and and again he was like I don't want to ever see you some, see you like that um, and obviously then we go to Trez obviously Trez has opened up about all his mental health and, and I speak to him a lot um, have spoken to him a lot and mate the the way he's helped me I guess the well the way I've spoken to him he's spoken to me opened up it is so normal. And and again, I know it's been quite a long bit of this, but it, I think it's so important to tell the story. And actually now, when we talk about my mentality, when we talk about the positivity, there's a reason behind that. And the reason is behind, because I know I can, where I can get myself into. And I know, it, and I always know, come October, I'm in, come October, I will, there'll be days where I'll really struggle because there's no cricket, there's no structure. And I'm sat there thinking, well, what do what do I do with myself now? Like, what do I do? And and the two things I do is I'll either train really, really hard, which is probably not great because it's supposed to be our rest period, but I've got to do something, or I'll go on loads of holidays. Or I have done previously, go on holidays with all my mates, and then I'll go on holiday with my girlfriend. That'll probably be like a three-week period where I know I'm doing something or I, and I guess that's how I'm dealing with it. Um, and I and I and I tell you now, I, I'm really anxious for actually what's after cricket um, because again, there's there's that unknown. But again, I flip it in terms of well, I could do whatever I want. I could literally yeah. be. Do you know what I mean? There's such a great opportunity to do whatever I want. So well, also don't wish the mate, future. Me, don't wish it away. Sense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so much to absorb in what you've just said there. I mean, it's, um, I think something that, I mean, there's so much that we could talk about, but it's something to take away is that, you know, that you're clearly very passionate about the fact that, you know, there, there has been, or, you know, once was a stigma about, you know, people being able to talk about this, but I feel like you're very in touch and very confident and comfortable to say, actually, do you know what? I hold my hands up and do you know what? Some things do get overwhelming and it's just normal. And it's actually abnormal to say that you're not overwhelmed and stressed and anxious when things do get too much on your plate. And actually I always, I always use the, you know, the image of like, you know, humans can burst and like, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm a crier to be honest as well sometimes. And that that is my release. And actually you feel a whole lot better about it. You feel worse trying to hold it in oh, and not show it. How good you feel, mate? <laughs> Literally. I know. It's good for no, you. I completely agree. Oh, mate. And and that's the amazing thing. I think, and I, I take my hat off, actually. Social media, at times, is, there's, it, it is the cause of a lot of things. But then I think having a platform where you can open up, and I know there's been a lot of people, and I and I and obviously I've got not not the biggest in terms of not the biggest following where you see some of these other players with millions but i think i've got a following where i think i can really help people and and that's something that i want to do and again i i look at marcus look at trez and i think how many people he's helped um and 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 it's not about how many people it's if it's one person that's the thing as long as you help people and you actually yeah you you normalize it because everyone goes through it everyone gets overwhelmed everyone gets stressed everyone at times doesn't want to speak about it but it's making sure that in the end you do speak about it and you have that close contact because 
like you say, if you if you share a problem, the problem's half. Definitely. I mean, it is. Um, it's becoming increasingly more important in professional sport now. And just that, just that image of the, of the, that, the dressing room there, I can only imagine the anxiety that you were experiencing going in. But that's exactly what anxiety is, I suppose. You just think, you think of the worst possible scenarios and you're going to go in there and you think, oh, everyone's going to be looking at you, staring at you. When actually the reality of it, when you did go in there, was helping hands all around and, oh, and just a support amazing, bubble yeah. and network that was just going to keep you afloat. And that's almost overwhelming, just the very thought of that. Yeah, may I, I, and then obviously then opening up a little bit more about it. Um, I did a, I did an interview and I remember talking mm. and, and they, and they started talking about this mindset and do you know what? I, I, I just went, fuck it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just tell them about the situation. And I told them, and then obviously then it's sort of progressed into something a little bit more where actually people do know I've struggled. Um, and again, that's, that's a great thing. I've had messages from, I've had a message from loads, like loads of different people before saying, thank you so much for chatting, like open up. And I guess they, at times people can see sportsmen, international cricketers, international rugby players as people that are, are can't be broken or that are on a different world or a different planet. Where actually they're just normal people that probably have got an exceptional skill, but also they're very driven and they've probably gone through a lot of stuff to make them resilient and you'll find a lot of people and I'm not talking sports like they're actors musicians everyone will have that if they want to get to the top they'll have to be resilient and a lot of everyone in the world will have these these thoughts these ideas and, and again people people are different people react differently and people don't deal with it as well as they could yeah, I mean, you've literally just summarised and explained what this podcast is all about, basically. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, the, the, re- the very reason I started it was because I wanted yeah. to bring people on in the public eye to to allow people who don't feel confident in speaking out and hearing, you know, these big people in the spotlight who have followers and pressure on them and, and are experiencing very normal, down-to-earth, human being issues you know such as mental health and and anxiety like that and you know I, you know that the people that have come on i spoke to simon Pegg yesterday about his alcoholism and depression i spoke to cipriani last year about his experience with the media and how much of a nightmare that is and it's just like yeah it's very important and actually he- hearing that people have got in touch with you to say you know thanks so much and that that makes everything almost worthwhile in a way, you know, it's just so important. And, and yeah, I mean, long may it continue. So yeah, I think this, the way that you've really um, gone into detail today is really like commendable to you as well, that you're confident to do it. Um, And I hope that everyone is able to take a leaf out of it. Well, I was going to say the big thing as well is, is it is like talking about like the, I, I talk about the knife incident, like it's still something that, I'm really, I'm actually really embarrassed about because it, it got to that point. But at the end of the day, like I, I got so lost and i God, I remember seeing mum and dad and trying to explain to them that situation. And again, obviously being a little bit older now, thinking that if that was my child, like how bad would you feel? And, and again, then, then I sort of fell, do you know what I mean? I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? But that was, that was my only sort of, rele- it got to the point where it was that bad. It was my only sort of release and, and you don't I don't I don't wish anyone to get to that sort of point. I think that's why it's so important. And again, it's not about me. It's not about 
It's not about anything in terms of, oh, look at me, I've done that. It's all about helping each other. It's mm. so important that people realize, people hear it and think, oh, do you know what? Actually, I've felt like that before. Um, and Joey, actually, I might need some help or I might need to chat to someone. I might need to chat to Dom. I might need to message him and just see, say that, do you know what? I, I have felt the same way. Or if it's not me, it's, do you know what I mean? Someone else, it might be their mum and dad, it might be their best mates and say, actually, guys, like I'm really struggling and and I don't know why. And you will soon find out once you get talking, if it's to the professionals as well, you will find a structure and you'll find why, if that makes sense. It's or you very... might not find well, but you might, you might find how to, I guess, um, keep control of it, keep on top of it. I think it's so important. Yeah, it's really difficult to take control of that because I always say this to everybody um, that I ever talk to because, you know, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very, very similar to you in that regard in the sense that your, your own mind is literally your worst enemy um, but also your best friend because, you know, you know, depending on what day you wake up, depending on what's going on, you, you know, your thoughts can swell into some of the most um, often potent and, you know, just... It, it, irrational thoughts that are not going to be right but it, you've got to find your own techniques and ways and be that um letting it out emotionally but the, the worst thing you can possibly do is hold it in just do not hold it yeah. in if you can talk to people or if you need to cry you need to talk to anybody um doing breathing exercises going out for a run literally whatever it is yeah. you find your you find your niche and if that makes you feel better then do it um but it's so important to to understand that and i think my yeah i my biggest my biggest thing was understanding my triggers so like my trigger like you talk about a trigger so that trigger of talking and and not being able not not having the words come out of my mouth right was a trigger um again that 2019 when i was away from home a lot there was so many small triggers within that, not seeing my mates. Do you know what I mean? Really having a bad day and having no one around and you fall into that cycle. Like those were my triggers. And for me, I know that it's never going to go away. I'm always going to have it. And it, like I said, it's staying on top of that and actually accepting that, okay, it's not, it's never going to go away, but I know how to deal with it. I know how to put things in place and have a bit of perspective as well at times. I think it's so important. Yeah, you have your own coping mechanisms now and you know you know the, the cause, the triggers, you know when you're experiencing it and you know what the solutions are, so to speak. Because, yeah, exactly, you're never going to be able to hit the delete button on it, aren't you? Um, so managing well, and, and that, living with it. would be a great world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, definitely. Well, um, Dom, this is really interesting. I mean, I had so many questions to talk about um, like the, these experiences, but you've literally explained them all in your your kind of monologue of of capturing your story. Yeah, well, it's really important. Yeah. No, I'm delighted to hear it. Um, but I also, I as we come kind of towards the 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 end of the podcast, um, you you sp- spoke about it briefly earlier in the podcast, and you you have this sort of anxiety about what is after cricket. Without looking at after cricket just yet, let, let's look at this year ahead of you. We've got India lined up and we've got an enormous summer lined up and then and into the winter as well. We've got some exciting cricket. And you've obviously been rewarded with your England contract. You're now a Yorkshireman. Um, what, what are, what's the goal in cricket for you? What's your, what's your end goal or where do you foresee yourself? Yeah, great question. I think... I think I th- do you know what? When I was younger, I always was like, right, I want to play a hundred test matches, which obviously of course you do. Like you don't play cricket to do that. 
um, after after 2019, when I had that sort of big breakdown, and again that, I guess reevaluation everything. Um, my my number one thing is that I always think that I've I've probably got the way or how I've got to where I am now is my resilience and sort of my sticking away, plugging at it, um, and it's making sure that. I always think that when I do retire, I want people to, if my name ever popped up, want people to think, wow, he was, he was a really, really good cricketer, um, a real good competitor. Obviously, he played X amount of games. However, that is for England, Yorkshire, Somerset. But my God, when he was off the pitch, he was such a nice guy, such a good bloke. Um, do you know what I mean? All these, I want, I want people um, to sort of, I guess see myself as a good person i think that's really important um and you might be thinking well what's that got to do with cricket i think um the way you you can be competitive on a pitch you can be really um really really hard to compete against but i think the number one is being a good person um and i think if you're a good person um i genuinely believe that um that will help other people and actually that will help you as a person, as a cricketer, that will have you more success. Um, and I always sort of sit back and of course I've got my goals of hopefully again, playing these four test matches against India. I think that's my number one at the moment and making sure whatever that is to contribute for an England win, I do that. And then obviously you look at the English summer, that's a different kettle of fish as a spinner going back to England. And then obviously ashes, I think, as a young aspiring English cricketer, the one thing you always want to do is play in Ashes at home and play in Ashes at away. And I think if I could get on that trip, I think that would, again, be a dream come true. Um, it'd be more of a dream come true. But get there, I start and we perform as a team and we, we go and do what we want to do there as well. Um, I think it's really important. But like I said, when I come back from a cricket and say I'm a little bit older and hopefully have children and things like that. And I'm saying this is a 23 year old, hopefully have to, <laughs> um, come back. I think people realize that my, what my intentions were, were very good, how I held myself, uh, what my character's like, etc. Definitely. That sounds great. I, I really, really, well, I wish you all the best for the, for the year, specifically in India. This is my last question. And I ask this to everybody that comes on the podcast. Um, Dom, what does the word headstrong mean to you? Headstrong. Um, I think being comfortable, so comfortable within your own headspace. And that might sound, so headstrong, you think obviously being strong, tough. I think actually going back, being strong in terms of actually having the confidence, having the understanding of what goes between the two ears and what's inside the head, I think that's very headstrong. Making sure that you don't get frazzled, you don't get overwhelmed, you don't get jolly panicky. You will get those things. I guess it's being having the head, being being strong in the head, swift it around um, to deal with those things, and being clear, having clarity, like having clarity. Um, being able to do things, I think, the way you want to do it. I think that's how I would, in that sort of bundle of ideas, that's how I would see that. <laughs>
Fantastic. Well, look, Dom, I've really enjoyed this, this chat with you. Thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. We are supporting the Ruth Strauss Foundation with Headstrong and Innings With. Sir Andrew Strauss lost his wife to non-smoking lung cancer in 2018. Just before her death, Ruth and Andrew discussed the idea of setting up a foundation to help other families who would be facing a similar ordeal. The Ruth Strauss Foundation wants to ensure that all families with dependent children facing the death of a parent are offered emotional support and guidance to prepare for the future, allowing them to make the most of their time together. In tandem, they are driving the need for more research and collaboration in the fight against non-smoking lung cancers, which are on the rise and to which Ruth ultimately lost her life. You can support their cause by making a donation today. To donate, text RSF10 to 70191 to donate £10. Or you can donate online at virginmoneygiving.com forward slash fund forward slash headstrong forward slash RSF. Thank you for all your support of Headstrong and the Ruth Strauss Foundation. And that is it for this episode of Headstrong. I just want to say a huge thank you to Don Bess. I think we can all say that it was an incredibly open conversation and he goes to show that you cannot judge a book by its cover. Now, join me next week for another episode of Headstrong, which is entirely devoted to cricket this series. I've got some marvellous guests lined up, so I think you'll absolutely enjoy the rest of the series. Thank you so much to you, the listener, for tuning in. And if you would like to donate to the Ruth Strauss Foundation, please look at the bio in the podcast streaming service you're listening to right now. See you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.